Good morning. My name is Paul, and I uh, have the privilege of being on staff here at New Life and um, doing a fair bit of the teaching. But last week and today and next week, we have some guest speakers. And uh, I remember uh, growing up in the church being told that if men uh, don't get their act together and come together and, uh, and follow the Lord, then the church is doomed. And I kind of just grew up thinking that that was the appropriate thing. So it was uh, up to men to, to do it. And, uh, and I kind of grew up just um, knowing that there was a part of the congregation that was there, but they were just the women. And, uh, and, and I realized as I've gotten older over the years um, how damaging that's been. And so God's been doing a work in my life for many years of just uh, seeing how in Christ we are all one. And so for today, um, for yesterday, Angela, Angela Lamb came and she spoke about Jesus and women in the Gospel of Luke. And she did this fantastic job giving us an overview of how uh, Jesus uh, believed women. He saw women. He listened to women. He responded to women. He elevated women. And it's my privilege this morning to invite uh, Erica to come up. And uh, Erica has, uh, and her husband Jason have been um, just tracking with us for a little bit here at New Life. She is the chaplain at the local hospital, and she's become a, a good friend, and we've had some great conversations about ministry and about life. And I'm excited for you to come and just, again, uh, help open our eyes up to the relationship Jesus had with women and what we need to learn through Luke's eyes in that relationship as we look at the story of the coin. So... Thank you for coming and sharing with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You have a really good pastor. Yeah. He's a great guy. You're really lucky. It's Mother's Day, and I've been invited to come and talk about women and the Gospel of Luke and... God's word for each of us today. And so I'm going to weave together a few of these themes into a message for all of us about who we are and what it means to be found by God and belong in God's family. I'm a mom. Those are my two adults over there. I've been a pastor, a pastor's wife. I'm a chaplain now and a spiritual care educator. And I want to tell you a bit of my story and how I claimed my calling because uh, it started off so simple and then it got a little more complicated. It became a real journey for me of seeking God's wisdom and how to do this. And I want to communicate something really important for all of us today. And that is whether you're a man or a woman or a grandparent or a teenager, even if you're six years old, being found by God will change everything about your life. God wants to welcome you into your unique giftedness and calling. Luke's my favorite gospel. I love that you're going through it slowly. Luke writes for the non-Jew, and that's most of us. And thanks for Angela. I watched her message last week, and she gave us a wonderful, solid overview of the advocacy of Jesus and women. If you weren't here, go and watch it. It will bless you. 
I'm not going to do an overview. I'm just going to zoom in on one little tiny moment between Jesus and the outsiders in Luke 15. Will you pray with me? Lord, you want to speak to us, and we know that your spirit is alive, and that for those who have ears to hear, you have a message. So for each heart here today who wants to be found by you, would you say something? Would you move us to know you and to get to know your voice and to hear your voice a little clearer today? In Jesus' name, amen. If you're like most people, you know what it's like to feel like God is far off. And there are probably many times when you felt like you're not connected to your source. And in the hospital, I hear it every day. Where is God? Has God forgotten me? Why is this happening to me? What's my purpose again? What's my identity? Signs that you're disconnected from your calling and who you are is this. You might not want to get up in the morning. You might feel like you're stuck in a routine, that you have nothing to look forward to, that you're generally depleted and uninspired. And many people are feeling like this coming out of the pandemic. There has been just so much change in our routines and what we do. I felt like this most when I was the mother of young children. I was consumed by these ideas of what it meant to be a good mom. I wanted to give my best self to my small little humans and meet their every need and be as good as I could. When I was a young mom, it was 2007, and my kids were school-age kids. But listen to what it was like for me, because it sounds kind of like 2020. I was homeschooling on purpose. I was running a small business from my basement. I lived rurally and we had one car, so I was pretty isolated and lonely. And I wanted to do all the pastor's wife things because I loved ministry. I was trying to do my best and I thought that's what it meant. I was a silly girl doing too much. According to Stats Canada, in the pandemic, women have reported that they are the ones who feel like they've performed most of the household tasks, including homeschooling. And women are reporting inequality in the home. Interesting, when they asked men, men felt like it's 50-50. We're doing the same amount of work. But the women's response was, no, we're doing a lot more. I want to acknowledge that today. Mothers are doing a whole lot. Thank you to mothers. It's incredibly demanding and important work, and I get it because I've lived it. And while my dear husband does a ton domestically, I was working so hard to meet the needs of everyone in my family that I was losing myself. I was worn out. I was exhausted. And I started to cry every day. Are you there yet, anybody? Crying every day, maybe? <laughs> I felt like I had lost my own identity. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like you've lost your identity. And I want to tell you that God wants to welcome you into your calling. Mothering is to give your very self, your very body, sometimes your broken body, to another human being. 
sounds kind of like God, doesn't it? In fact, we don't often hear the ways that God is like the generous and protective mama. But it's in there. It's in here. We know God is a lion. God is a lion and God is also a lamb. We find God in the images of birth pangs, of being born of the spirit. God is a lily, a rose, wind and fire. God is like a mother bear who protects her cubs from attack. God is a woman in childbirth who lets us know when the time has come. God is like a mother who comforts her children and will never forget us. Jesus likens himself to a hen wanting to protect her children under her wings. Here is my body broken for you. The point of the message today is that God loves you. And so are you going to let God claim you as a beloved child, find you, mother you, raise you up for a purpose, who you are meant to be? Are you going to keep struggling to try and make it on your own? We're all part of this cosmic family. They celebrate when you find your identity in God. As a child, my image of God was pure love. I just had this perception that God was like an old grandpa, probably a white guy with a long beard and a robe. He, he was glowing. And I remember at six years old walking along the fence in my backyard and there were little slats in the fence and I had my little shoes sticking through and walking along and my mom was lying there sunning. And I was talking to Jesus and I said, oh God, I love you too. And I want to do whatever it is that you ask me to for my whole life. I'm yours. It was a profound moment for me. And even though I was only six years old, I still remember how I felt in that moment. I could do that because I had a mother who taught me how much God loved me. And then I grew up a little bit, and I wanted to tell all the kids on the playground how much God loved them. You can imagine how that went. <laughs> I knew when I was seven that I was a missionary, and I didn't know how that was going to express itself in my life, and I learned pretty quick that it wasn't cool. When I was 18, I listened to a room full of church people argue about whether or not women could be in pastoral ministry or in leadership. And it was a room about this size, and I was sitting over there at the back, and there were two microphones set up, and people would get up, and they'd come, and they'd bring their Bible, and then they'd give their opinion about why women couldn't be pastors and couldn't lead. And it was charged, and this was the 90s, and I remember sitting at the back feeling like, wait a minute, I thought God was calling me. Or perhaps I misunderstood what that actually meant. I need a man, maybe, who was called to ministry. A lot of women felt like that then. I really didn't know. I just knew that I felt called and I felt really confused. 
but of course my evangelical church had these debates. It makes total sense because we were trying to be faithful to the words on the page without fully understanding the Middle Eastern culture of the time. But evidence also shows that as Jesus was walking and talking with real people in the Middle Eastern culture, he welcomed and called women. He welcomed and called Gentiles and outsiders and sinners and children. And that would have been really uncomfortable for people at the time. In the text I want us to experience today, Jesus is talking right to the ones who were feeling left out and put in their place. He turned away from the religious leaders who were talking in his ear, saying, don't talk to them. And he turned right to that group and he said, listen up. And he tells some cryptic stories, parables, because the religious people were disturbed at who Jesus was hanging out with. And Jesus had a message for this group in Luke 15, if you want to follow along. Because Jesus doesn't just call the powerful, he calls the weak, the children, the lost, the sinner. Christ calls women. Women owned hardly anything at the time, not even their own children. But they did own a few drachma. And if you've seen pictures of Middle Eastern women with like coins around their head, they would wear a headpiece. And on the headpiece, there would be about 10 coins. And this was their dowry the only thing they owned. And it would be given to them by their father, and it represented their worth, their identity. Each coin was incredibly precious. And this little story shows up between my two favorite stories. Jesus starts off with the lost sheep, talks about how a shepherd, how God is a shepherd, who has a hundred sheep and one goes missing. And so he leaves the 99 sheep and he goes and he tracks down that one lost sheep. And then he tells the story of a wealthy father who had two sons and he gives them their inheritance and one is really good, good son, hangs out at home, does what he's supposed to do. And the other one goes off and squanders all of it, realizes the error of his ways, comes crawling home to his father, says, I'll just live in the pig pen, please take me back. And the father welcomes him in and throws a party. Between those two stories, there's another one, and it's in two little tiny verses, and it's the same story, but it's addressed to the women. The point Jesus is trying to make in these stories is so provocative and so important that he tells it three times, once for laborers, once for the women, and once for the wealthy. He says to them, okay, gather round, listen up. He says, now what woman having 10 pieces of silver. If she doesn't lose one, light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. And the women would have understood this clearly because it's all she had in the whole world, these little coins that dangled on her forehead. And if they went missing, this was a sign of embarrassment or shame. You can imagine the neighbors did she squander the money? What'd she do with that coin? Is her family in financial hardship? Does her husband know? The woman has got to find that coin. 
there are multiple levels to this story in two verses. Jesus is talking directly to women. He's talking to those people who, who don't think that they belong. And he's talking to those who know what it's like to have lost something incredibly precious. And so I wonder what that is for you. Have you fallen away from God? Have you lost something precious to you? In this season of COVID, we've all lost something dear to us. Have you named what it is? Perhaps you've lost work or a relationship, financial security. Perhaps you've lost the care of your divine parent. Here's the truth. Before you can go looking for that thing that you've lost, you need to know what you're looking for. And there's a both and that's happening here. God is seeking us, but also we are seeking God. And there's a promise in scripture that says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. And it was significant of Luke to write it in. It says right here, the Pharisees and the scribes didn't really like what Jesus was doing. The people who were writing it down didn't really like it. So that's significant that it got written in. Jesus is calling to people and giving them radical parables. And he adds a story about women that starts like this. God is like the woman. God is like the humble woman of the house, and she lost something precious to her, just like you. There came a time when I was mothering with my whole heart that I realized I was missing something. I had lost my identity as a child of God who was called for a purpose. Not that my kids weren't my purpose, but they weren't my only purpose. I knew I had lost something, and I was miserable, and I like to call it holy discontent. It was just eating at me. The Spirit was talking to me and nudging me and saying, hey, you dropped your coin. Erica, did you notice? The woman in the story sets out to find it. She gets out the broom. She lights the lamp because it's dim in the house. Whenever you hear light a lamp, that should trigger the word of God, spirit of God. She's inviting God to show her the way. And she starts looking. She probably got down on her hands and knees, listening for the sound of metal. I can still remember the day when Jason and I were sitting in the bleachers of the Hanover Rec Complex. And we were watching our kids do their swimming lessons. And I looked at Jason and said, have you noticed I'm miserable? <laughs> like, I had been miserable for a long time. The poor man, like, he had to just put up with a lot of crying. And I said to him this day, I said, I know why. I figured it out. I know why I'm miserable. Why don't you push me to go and fix it? And I said, I know. I need to just take action to find my identity again. Bless him. He said, okay support you. And you know what that meant? That meant we had to get another car. That meant we had to put our kids into school. That meant that I enrolled in seminary full-time, which was an hour and a half from my house, and I did that three days a week. 
it, it was a big deal to say, enough, okay, I need to do it. So I drove an hour and a half to Kitchener from Hanover three times a week for two years. I flicked on the light. I started sweeping my house. And I listened to God and took risks and was looking for that precious thing that I had lost. You know what? She finds the coin. And this is a story about you. It's a story about God searching for you. God is preoccupied with finding you so that you can be included into the family of freedom. And for every one of us who responds to that calling, there is rejoicing and identity and there are gifts for you. Something that God is gifting you to do and asking you to do. I love these parables because Jesus reminds us that God starts this calling. He initiates it. But we don't find real rest and contentment and fulfillment until we're under the wing of our mother hen. So God's coming after us like we're lost sheep. God is sweeping the house, looking for us as though part of his precious identity has fallen to the ground. God is waiting for you at the end of the laneway with open arms, wanting you to realize your sin and that you need to be welcomed home. Liars want to send the message that God has a hierarchy and that you need to prove yourself and work harder to be worthy. Something I find myself often reminding people in spiritual counseling is that every one of us has a liar in our head. Satan is translated accuser. And in my experience, this is true for everybody. We all have this slick, sly accuser voice in our head. And it sounds just like us. And it's saying to us, you're not enough. You're not called. Just be content. You're a woman. You're not this, you're not that, you're not smart enough, you're not articulate enough, you're not confident enough. And until you can silence that accuser and amplify the spirit's voice of encouragement instead, you can't be truly free. You're going to be caught and stuck and miserable and crying every day. Jesus is telling the truth to the crowd who are caught in the lies in their head. And the truth is that every person is precious and he wants us all. Can you hear that? Can you hear Jesus saying it to you? Who are you in this story? Are you the religious leader talking in Jesus' ear, trying to protect him from the sinners? Or... Are you just a small little child holding onto the hem of his garment, saying, I love you, Jesus, take me with you? Are you maybe on the edge of the crowd wondering, is this even for me? Or are you a woman? And maybe you feel like you've lost part of your identity. And you need to hear the good news that Jesus is calling you, rejoicing in you. The truth is, accuser, that women are precious in the family of God. Women are part of the story. And God is letting us know that God is like us. 
And when we're found, the angels are singing in the heavenly realms. And not only the angels, but the community and everyone in this church and everyone in all the churches in town. Because when a lost person has been found and claimed the gifts from God, we are all better. We are all being ministered to. When I studied to learn about women and leadership in the church, which is what I did when I was driving to Kitchener, every week, and I was researching the history of women pastors. As I did this, I was able to understand a little more, and the voice of the Spirit was getting a bit clearer in my life. And as I was about to graduate, a professor said, please consider becoming a pastor. The church needs good leaders. And something in my heart just agreed. And Jason agreed. For nearly all women in pastoral ministry, this is the part of the story where men are essential. Studies show that the vast majority of women in leadership roles in the church are there because men in power invited them. So thank you to my husband who made phone calls and stepped aside from his influence to see not only me, but many other women preach and become ordained. Thank you to free Methodists who have been ordaining women for 300 years in the evangelical church. Thank you to your pastor, Paul, for putting women in this pulpit. For me, following the Spirit uh, was really difficult. It is not at all easy. And... It led to co-pastoring and chaplaincy. And I feel convinced that I'm now doing what God has called me to do. And that includes leading men sometimes. The voice of the accuser isn't as loud in my ear anymore. Because I know what she sounds like. And I can recognize the voice of the shepherd saying, You're mine. Come this way. To wrap up, do you know the desire that God has planted in your heart? It's probably different from mine. And I wonder what part of your God-given identity needs finding. Where is your holy discontent? Because once you know what it is and once you're ready to be found, get ready for the struggle of God waiting to come to you, wanting to come to you. Because it's not easy. Following Jesus is the easiest thing and it is the struggle of your life (laughs) to do it well. There will be hard times as you try and grab that sheep on the hillside. Or as you realize how much of your inheritance you've squandered on the way. It is hard and scary and humbling to turn from your sin and claim who God has created you to be. So my invitation today is for you to recognize what's missing for you. To prayerfully ask God to come and find you and turn your life upside down. Mothers, thank you for being image bearers of God and for giving your very body for the life of another. Women, if God has called you to lead the church, may you have courage and work hard to grow in this calling. And men, use your power 
to raise up the gifts of the women and the outsiders around you so the church can be whole and the cosmos can rejoice. Amen. I think I'll pray for you before Paul comes up, or do you want to pray for your own women? I'll pray for your women, and then you can pray for your women. Lord, thank you for all of the lives represented in this room that you have called, that you have gifted. And Lord, may this community of faith rise up to claim all of these gifts that you talk about in Corinthians, the gifts for the church. And so um, as each one here is, is attuned to turning down the accuser in their head and turning up the voice of the Spirit, may there be some clarity of how you're calling each one here. And may New Life Church be a witness of perfect love and um, the beautiful identity that we receive when we are found by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Erica, thank you for opening our eyes to that passage of scripture. Just, uh, yeah. Just a clarification, they are not my women. And... Uh, <laughs> And they are not my men either, so I, I don't talk about my, my people, it's, uh, we're, we're together, so. Um, I do, I just have one question, when you, um, Jason, when she turned to you and said, do you know what's making me miserable, how'd you answer that, dude? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, you yeah. just, just let her answer her own question, <laughs> great. Um, thank you, thank you so much for, uh, for choosing that passage and for helping us see how Jesus intentionally like uses examples to speak to the women uh, that were around him and how we're wanting to continue to do that. I want to read a passage of scripture for you as a prayer, and, and I think it's actually very reflective of the kind of love that we understand in our mothers. Um, for those of us who, uh, who grew up just with you know, a fairly normal uh, mothering situation. And it's from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, and he's talking about how God brings people together um, people who were enemies, Jews and Gentiles, but then he talks about the church and all of its variety being a witness to the unseen rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. So the beauty of the church is that this incredible diversity of, of including women and men together is this amazing message uh, to the rulers in the, that we can't see. And then Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then tell me if this sounds like the love that we might know from our mothers. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down deep into God's love and it will keep you strong. And may you have power to understand as all God's people should how wide how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And that's my prayer for us as a congregation as we continue to move forward. Thank you for being here today. Uh, enjoy the day. Celebrate well. And next week, uh, when you come back, we will have Leanne Friesen from Mount Baptist, uh, Mount Hamilton Baptist Church, uh, speaking to us um, from Luke chapter 8. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.